We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And today we are joined in studio by a very special guest who goes by the name of... What's up? <laughs> what's up? I'm is David it? James. <laughs> I didn't know if I should introduce you as Dave, David, David James. I've been called a lot of things. All right. So David James it is. As long yeah. as it's kind of respectful, I'll, I'll, I'll answer to anything. Can I, I like it, dude. I like it. Dude, we're so glad to have you here. Um, you've uh, you've watched the show. You've been, you've been uh, on this journey with us for quite some time. And we've watched you through your own journey, which has been really, really cool. And now you're here joining us in Utah from... Washington DC. Why are you here, man? To do the show. That's yeah. so cool. Show some support. Um, maybe get uh, my story out there a little bit. Maybe somebody can get something from it. Hell yeah, I got a lot from it, dude. I think it was really cool of you to share your story like that. And uh, I'm excited to, to play it for everybody. And I think that uh, we were able to get something from it that uh, that I think is, is, is something that I know that I would love to talk about and, and to pick your brain about because I think it's something that you have um, a lot of information on. And that is practicing self-love through personal development. Um, so, Willie, what do you think yeah. about this topic, man? Uh, I, I, I love it, man. You know, I'm fortunate right now, you guys, that my negative self-reflection, my negative self-talk, my negative opinion of myself is at an all-time low. And it came through a long journey. I mean, a lot of the listeners that have been with us for a long time have watched our journeys through personal development, where we came from, where we're at now. But, you know, through practicing this stuff on a daily basis over and over and over and over and over again, you know, mm-hmm. I've come to a point... Mm-hmm. Where it's not completely gone, but fuck, it's at an all-time low, and right. I and I'm really riding that cloud right now, you know. So I'm I'm excited to, you know, talk about self-love through personal development. You know, I'm glad David's here to talk about it. That's how I feel about it. Me too. I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you sharing that. And David, I just want to point out, like, for people that maybe don't know, if you're if you're watching this show. Um, and I want to just touch on this before we get too far into the show, but David actually created the paintings that we have on the wall here, the worth the work paintings, um, which I absolutely love. And now you're here. I get to thank you in person for those. Yeah. You're very welcome. They're so great. And they're such a great addition to the studio. And, and it is such a, uh, such a great message, right? Like we say that every show. Um, and I, I don't want to lose the importance of that message, um, by by saying it too much, but it is just so critical that we remember, like, this is work, right? Like, yeah, what what what, work. what we do is work, like, and it has to be work, right? So, um, but we are we are worth that work, right? Right, and, and that's sort of where the self love comes in. So, David, I know we're gonna hear a little bit about your story when we get into um, the war story portion of the show, but what? I mean, when you sort of got to that point in your life and your story and your journey where you realized the importance of self-love, like what was that what was that like for you? Were you able to apply the same discipline to that that you did everything else in your life or 
was that a learned process for you? Uh, lots of learning, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lots of repetition, lots of failure. Um, I don't know how exactly to put it, um, but in my darkest times, I didn't feel like I was worth what I wanted, not mm. just what I got, right? You know, what I received, but what I wanted, I didn't think I was worth it. My actions weren't aligning with who I wanted to be, who I thought I was. Um, and it's just a daily, you know, I think it's in the uh, page 83 or 84 in the mm-hmm. big book. It's like, it's a daily reprieve from the madness. And if you don't practice it every single day, you never know. It's going to wind up with a drink in my hand. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, me too. And I think that that's, and I'm glad you touched on that because it is, it really is like a, it's, it's a daily thing, right? Like, but what did it take for us to get to the point where we realized that that was something we had to do every day? Like, you know what I mean? A lot of pain. A lot of pain. You know? Right? Well, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is part of the thing that I've realized later on. I didn't realize this early on in, in, in sobriety. You know, when the desire to get sober came along, it came along far before sobriety actually came. Mm-hmm. And part of that was these fucking people wouldn't give up on me. Right? And, and, and I gave everybody zero reasons to continue loving me. And for whatever reason, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, that people continued loving me at my darkest. And I think that there was a magical, you know, spiritual principle in that, that, that I connected with on a subconscious level where I could feel the love of other people pushing this need for self-love so that I could, could, could meet them in the middle of that, right? Mm-hmm. So that I could respect their ongoing position of, of trying to help me out. Right. And so even though like when I first desired getting sober, it didn't happen. Eventually it it did happen through a process. I don't, I don't think we get sober without some level of self-love. Right. Or some desire for it or some, you know, whatever it is, if it's subconscious or spiritual or, you know, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I still don't know why me, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why me, but Mm -hmm. I think there has to be some level of self-love. And when that happens, it doesn't happen without work. Right. It doesn't happen without action. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I forget what your question was because I wasn't listening, but (laughs) I know I have an answer for it, but I can't, I I lost, I lost my trade. Sorry. No, I was just thinking as you were talking, like there really is that, like that realization at some point that we don't want to die. Right. Right. And I know you touched on it in your story and it was something that I really, really identified with, which is sort of, and we've, we've, it seems like we've heard a lot recently, but, um, which is sort of this indifferent attitude towards life where it's like, I'm not necessarily suicidal, but like, whatever like whatever happens happens like i'm gonna drink i'm gonna do i'm gonna live this destructive lifestyle and i'm just gonna ride this wave as long as it goes because i don't know any other way to be or just don't care yeah or just don't care you know and i think at some point like the pain gets to the point where we we do realize that we want to live like we're almost faced with death and we and we say, you know what? Like, I can't, 
like, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I actually do want to live. And I think that, um, you know, for, for me, you know, a number of things happened for me to get to that point. But for you, like, what was it that really sort of prompted that, that moment where you were, you, you had that willing jump, jumping off point. Yeah. I call it. Um, it had to be, you know, the final time I got arrested. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had people counting on me now. I have a wife, a son, um, and whereas before, as we were talking about, I, I didn't have anybody to, you know, to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take into account my parents or anybody that really loved me. I wasn't thinking I'll, you know, F them. I wasn't thinking like that, but I didn't think that they, they cared. Right. Right. And I had zero real responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, so like I like, like you said, I wasn't actively trying to kill myself, but you know, getting a half gallon of vodka on a Saturday morning never sounded like a bad idea. Right. You know, it's not a great demonstration <laughs> of self-love. That's yeah. for sure. No, it's absolutely yeah. not. Well, and let me ask you this because I know, like, it. When we talk about self-love, I feel like there's there's my definition of self-love before, and there's my definition of self-love now because. There is this weird part of me as Cameron as an alcoholic or Cameron as an addict who did think that like grabbing that bottle of vodka was self-love, right? Like, hey, I deserve this. I earned this. Like I went I went through a whole week of work. Like, you know, I did all my responsible <laughs> things. Didn't like, even drink in the morning. Like, how am I like why is what's wrong with this? You know, like and this is me treating myself, right. you know, as as they say. So I think that when we talk about self-love, it's important to make the distinction between like what what I used to see as self-love and what I see as self-love now. And I'm sure you guys would have something to say about like the destructive nature of of what we think is is. Yeah, before for me it was I loved me some me. Right, right. right. And that was as fake as it all could be. Right. And through these processes and, and doing a lot of work and, you know, the daily habits, I'm building somebody that I actually do love because mm-hmm. that that's the guy that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Whereas before I was just being a guy in love with himself and doing what I wanted and it didn't matter who got hurt along the way or had to pay for it or bail me out 1,700 times. <laughs> Yeah, and that's actually that's a great I mean, that's a great way to, to to think about that is like before it's like all sort of egomaniac and selfishness as opposed to self love, where it's like now, like you said, you're you're building a person that that you want to be so that you can love yourself. Whereas before it was all just selfishness. It was yeah. all it was all me, 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 but, you know, also I hated me, you know, it's yeah. interesting. You know, and, and as, as life goes on, you know, sobriety and, you know, this development of, of personality, this, this personal development path that we're on, you know, because I think, I think sobriety is in itself a uh, course in, in personal development, right? I think uh, it's almost impossible to only get sober and and maintain 
unhealthy sexual relationships, uh, maintain this, this really horrible eating pattern, uh, maintain, you know, just, just negative thinking. It, it seems almost impossible, you know, at least in the, in the, um, arena that I'm in, everybody moves past sobriety, they get sober and then they start working on other areas of their life. They're like, I don't want to be broke for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want to fucking die choking on a ham sandwich. You know, I don't want my kids to see me as, you know, a piece of shit. And so it starts with sobriety and then all these things start developing on that. And, you know, it's been what, five months now that there's been two fathers and sometimes three on this side of the table. And one of the things that I continually think about as part of my process is I want to be the kind of dad that I would want raising my children. And, and when I look at it like that, right, then I'm able to step back from myself because, because sometimes seeing me in that position is mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Right. Because I have all this, you know, you know, over 40 years of, of, of thinking pattern about myself. But if I can step away from that and go, okay, if I wasn't here, what kind of man would I want to be taking care of my wife who I love? If I wasn't here, what kind of man would I want raising my children? If I wasn't here, what kind of partner would I want Cameron to have on, on this side of the table with him? And then I can look at myself objectively, right? And, and I can kind of get an idea of the type of person that I want to be. Mm. And from that idea, I can start looking at directions to create that, right? Does that make sense? Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a great way to to look at that in order to see what, what kind of person that you want to be. And I, cause I think that that's, that's a lot of what we get in, in Alcoholics Anonymous or, um, you know, any community like that is we get to look at people and see examples of people that we yeah. want to be because like we have really, really good examples of, who we don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. That's the people that we were before. Right. right? And so like, got that I think in order to, to begin that personal development and to start manifesting that self love, we absolutely have to determine like, Hey, just, just what kind of person do I want to be? And do I believe that that's possible that I can be that person? And right. Do you feel like well, you've gotten that? Is that, is that a hundred percent though? Or, or can you gain belief over time? Because what, and the reason that I say that is because uh, it all started with sobriety, right? It all started, I could not see past getting sober. Right. Right. And so, and so sobriety seemed like an unattainable place for me for a long time, right? Because it was in and out, in and out, promise after promise, broken promise, relapse, this, that. And then I did get sober, but that's all I could see for a long time was sobriety. You know, I didn't know uh, anything. I, I, I didn't know anything past being sober. But for some reason, eventually another vision came to me of the next level of, of where I wanted to go, right? Because sobriety was great, but then I felt like I wanted more. And, and then I have to look around and be like, well, what is it that I'm wanting? Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, I mean, maybe that is true, but it. Uh, like, um, can you, can you see something without believing in it? Can you have it? Right. I mean, I think with getting, does that make sense? 
you're you're right there, um, because to do anything else, you've got to be sober. Otherwise, your visions are just clouding, and the guy that's thinking about the guy that you want to be, his thoughts are all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. Fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, once that alcohol, that drug, whatever, is actually flushed all the way out of your system, you know, <clears throat> and they start to get that clarity you'll start to pick up some things and learn some things from other people like, you know, I like that guy's car or I like that guy's house or I like that guy's, um, the way he carries himself or anything that you pick from people that you want to be like. Now you got a little bit of a vision, but you can't. Oh, yeah, like a target, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like if you don't know where to shoot, you won't. Right. You'll, you, if, if you don't aim at the right shit, you'll hit it. It's something that you touch on in your story, like. You know, hitting your target every time, even though it's the wrong fucking target. Yeah. Is that is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, but you were right in saying that you don't have to have a vision of a, a sober guy. Because what does a sober guy look like? We have no idea because we've never been sober at right. that point, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and I think that, uh, yeah, we have to be in a position where we can think about who it is we want to be. Um, with a clear mind. And and I know for me, like getting sober was the first sort of faith building act, right? It was like, I, I didn't think I could ever get sober. And then once I got sober, I started believing that I was capable of doing things that I previously had thought that I wasn't capable of doing. And so it opened my mind to to being teachable, to like listening. Okay, well, I... I didn't think that I could do that. And then I took somebody else's advice and I humbled myself long enough to listen and to do things that I didn't want to do despite, you know, my own lack of desire. Um, And I became successful through that process. So like what else can I apply that to in my life um, in order to get things that I also think right now currently are impossible, you know? Um, and for me, it's been like a career, you know, like trying to, to pursue a different career path or, or anything like that. And that was something that, you know, I had to really step back and look at and be like, well, is, is that true? Like, am I capable of, of doing something different? Well, yeah, I am. Like, why not? Like I got sober, didn't think I could do that. Who says I can't do this, you know? Um, and, and being able to apply that same sort of uh, process towards lots of things in our life. And I think that um, we can pick up these sort of learning processes through many, many, many different avenues. Um, One for me was definitely a 12-step program. And I know that that's been the uh, the same with you guys. But you also have have gotten some of that through um, a fitness program, right? Right. Which Which is where the two of you met. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that just because I think that it's interesting that, um, throughout all of this, like whether it's getting sober, um, getting fit or achieving goals or, or just accomplishing things that you thought were impossible, like there seems to be some things that are, are staples in either avenue, right? Right. And I and I just want to touch on what those things are. So when we talk about um, 
getting, being successful in that way? Like, what are the things that we need to do all the time? Well, I mean, with, with uh, to, to parallel sobriety and fitness, for example, right? The, uh, the, fir- the first things that need to happen are exactly the same. One, I have to recognize that there's a problem, mm-hmm. right? And, and I didn't recognize that there was a problem with my health until I got sober, right? I mean, as crazy as that may sound, like I didn't realize that eating honey buns, Oreos, and fast food every day was detrimental to my health. Well, it's the same thing that David just said. Like, you have to have that clarity. Right. Right? Like, you're not going to think about yourself properly if you're right always fucked up. Yeah. Or, or, or even, even have the idea of, like, maybe I need to love myself more through the things I put in my body. Right. Right? And so there has to be, uh, you know, I have to realize that there's a problem. And then the next thing is I have to make a decision to do something about it. Right. And a lot of people think decision is, is action and, and it's not action is action. The decision is, uh, deciding that I'm going to do something about this, even though I didn't know what, mm-hmm. right. But there's something really cool that happens. And I've seen this across the board and you guys can, can tell me if this is your experience too, but I've seen something happen where once I've made a concrete decision, right, I decided I was going to get sober. And it came into my life, right? I, like, like I knew there was a fucking problem. Uh, I, I kind of, I was committed to trying over and over and over again. And then this last time, I said, you know what? I'm getting fucking sober, you know? I'm, I'm giving it a try. And that came into my life. And it was the same thing with, with this fitness journey. You know, I, I made the decision to be the healthiest person I've ever been by age 40. And I didn't know how I was going to make there, but that was my decision. I wanted to be more healthy at age 40 than I was at age 20. Mm. And, and that was brought into my life, right? The, the right teachers, the right steps, the right videos, the right books, the right conversations, the right practices, you know, all those things manifested in, in it after the decision was made. And after the decision is made, then for some reason, this stuff starts popping up in my life. Maybe it's God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's coincidence, mm-hmm. but once it starts popping up, I have to stay committed to the decision that I had made, right? Okay, and look for those omens, if you will, right? Look for the omens, the the signs that these these are the things that are coming into my life. Like you and I running into that each other in that fucking meeting, all, all fucking bloated out and just got done <laughs> eating cookies and shit. It, it were both like... What are you doing? You're like, oh, fuck. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> like, me too. I'm working on a food thing now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was right where I, what I needed when I needed. I needed a partner yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Dave? Yeah. Um, I, what are some of the things that need to happen? My experience has been, like, when I finally made a decision that I wanted to get sober, it was because I was tired of pissing people off and people being mad at me and waking up with regret of who did I piss off? What did I do? Why am I in jail? Or now I got to pay bills or I got to whatever it may be. Um, That regret. Yeah. Oh, that's a stinging motherfucker, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It started with, I didn't love myself. Mm. 
I hated who I was. I hated how I treated people. I hated how I looked because I'd always been a fairly tall, thin guy. Um, and I had just let all of that go. Right. And oh, after a four-day bender, I pissed off my wife. I didn't do anything particularly bad. I didn't wind up in jail, but she was mad and I regretted it. And <clears throat> so I saw a picture of myself and it just, just awful. Mm. Just awful, awful. Like you saw, you saw like a picture. A, like a real yeah. picture. Somebody had oh, taken yeah. of me like that. I didn't While you were about. on the four day bender or? No. Um, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Actually, like when was, so. okay, oh, okay. So it was, okay. it was during that time. Yeah. And somebody had posted it or something and it's an awful angle. I'm wearing an awful you know, <laughs> July 4th flag hooded t-shirt. I'm eating ice cream and it's below me. So. Oh, that flattering dude. Oh, it's just. Did everybody. Do, does do, on do you call? still have it? Let's yeah, see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to I'll, look. We'll have to, you have to send it to us. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. post that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it started with a physical thing. Like, I don't want to look like this anymore. And I had been trying to get sober. Um, you know, I'd already been to rehab. I'd done a few meetings, but I was white knuckling it the whole time. Right. And, you know, tried some man abuse and um, you touch on that in your story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it started with the physical aspect. Um, I knew I didn't want to drink. I knew I didn't want to piss off my family anymore. I knew I didn't want to look like a fat piece of shit. Um, so it started with the physicalness and the program that I met uh, Willie on. It actually turned out to be a mindset thing mm-hmm. because yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things, isn't it all your mindset? Right. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. You absolutely. Um, and part of that requirement to do anything physically, you got to be sober. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it helps. Yeah. yeah fucking million, million burpees a year. It's hard to do drunk. but Right. Yeah. Um, so that set me on this path and kind of, you know, that's where I met Willie and that's where I met a few other people that are a part of this mindset fitness community. And it, it was great because there was a lot of accountability. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just to yourself, but if you're putting it out there every day and then all of a sudden you don't, people are like, we know you fucked up. Right, 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 right. And that's, that's okay. But we, we know. know. Yeah. You know, and that's great because not being accountable to yourself and letting everybody else down that's extra motivation to not fuck up because for people like you and me we're always in this sort of mindset of like nobody will know right. <laughs> but then when we realize like and, no and, everybody, and, everybody will know and and we, we get under the illusion that we're gonna feel okay about it yeah right? well, yeah, like, like, yeah like we think you know we have normal stresses like relationship stress work stress tr- fucking traffic stress you know, whatever, you know, these things that set us off. And we're like, you know what? I just need a break. And, and we get under this illusion that, you know, you know, consuming mass amounts of unhealthy food, binge watching pornography, or God forbid, you know, you take a drink. We're under the illusion that that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, and it never does. Yeah. It never fucking does, you know? And so like, like we get to that place where, you know, we're, we're in that accountability that he's talking about. Well, we think we, uh, 
because it's not true. Like when everybody knows, like we feel sort of a new level of shame and that, yeah. and that shame, like can, it can be helpful yeah. in some instances. Yeah. And so I think that it's, it's okay, but let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about that. So what did you, like, as you were going through that journey, it sounds like you came to this conclusion that sobriety was also a thing, right? Like as long, as long as you're, like body mind connection was was um improving that that you also had to to stay sober so were you implementing some things at that time that allowed you to sort of build both your sobriety and your fitness simultaneously like did you have like daily habits or like what was what was happening you know no early on early on it was Today, I have to do this workout. Today, I have to only eat this, 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 and this. And that was pretty much it. And you do that often enough, consecutively enough, and you start to see some changes, and you like those changes. And especially when you're involved with a community that's like-minded, um, you push each other. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you keep going. And um, at this point, there was zero AA. There was, oh, I'm sober now. I don't need any help. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but as I do, um, after two or three months, there was a relapse in the middle of it. Um, a short one, but enough to piss off a bunch of people. And that kind of renewed my sense of, hey, you know, maybe that was a good thing. Maybe that particular relapse was a good thing because I had gotten like, cool, yeah, I'm the man again, you know, and... Kind of knocked you back down a peg. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Well, of, it takes what it takes, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a little bit of humble pie. Right. Um, you know, so I set up, you know, or done again. You know, again, still not connected to anything. I'm just white-knuckling it and doing my program, mm -hmm. right? my, my mm -hmm. fitness and my mindset, and I'm waking up early, and I'm working out, I'm eating right. Um, but me as a person, I, did, I didn't change one bit mm -hmm. uh, my lifestyle outside of those two things had not changed at all i was still an asshole still am an asshole but uh, <laughs> i don't get that <laughs> um, you know you just keep trying and sooner or later it's gonna work out you, you gotta try a lot of things and you gotta fail a lot of times mm. and uh, i forgot mm. who told me but it's fail forward yeah you know? yeah mm -hmm. Fail better next time. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, and as long as we, we can really ingrain in ourselves that certain things do not work, right? Right. You know, I've been able to maintain consistent sobriety from, from everything for over a decade with that in mind, remembering at a very deep level that alcohol will never work again, you know? Um, and so, like like getting that stuff, but also in that process that you were just talking about in the community that you were talking about, um, you know, when I'm going through, uh, these developmental stages of my life and workouts and tracking, you know, one of the things that I've always said since we started this podcast, a mission for myself is to know me well. Right. right. I want to know me well, because why not? Mm -hmm. Why not want to know me? I fucking spent my whole life avoiding who I am, like avoiding a relationship with me. And now we're on this journey of self-development, 
right? Bringing out everything that I don't like about myself, bringing in everything that I do like about myself, having to accept some things. Like if anybody ever seen me without a hat on, they'd be like, what the fuck? It's weird. That looks so different than I thought because I'm a little thin on top, right? And, And I have to accept that. But as I go through this process and I, and I'm in that community, I hear new ideas, right? And, and there's something strange that happens on a practicing level. Like, like when you're practicing things over and over and over and over again, like you were talking about that early wake up, the consistent workout, you know, paying attention to what I'm eating, my mind becomes clear. And then people start sharing what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and what they're going through and what they're realizing. And I'm opened up enough to hear that some of that stuff for the first time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe this stuff's been in my life, my whole life. Right. Like, right. Right. It may have been, but I was always too closed off, Mm -hmm. too self-centered and too uh, like, like uh, scatterbrained. You know, my, my focus was on the next cupcake or the next pill or the next, you know, whatever, whatever thing I was going to try to consume to fix what was going on inside that I didn't have the ability to hear a message of self-love and how to get there, right? And so through this process, we start being able to hear the teacher, hear the message, hear the solution to what we're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so now, now like with where we are now, like we've been able to get there through a consistent process of just continuing to do the work. Right. So like... Today, like being now that we're sober, sober. Um, and you, my friend, are incredibly fit. Willie doing pretty damn well. Um, Thank you. Like what 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 is that? What does that daily process look for? Look like for you now? Like what do you do to maintain both your fitness and your sobriety? And do you find that the two are correlated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my daily process is I wake up early. Um, I've flip-flopped um, my set time as I see fit for my life now. Um, it started when you say set time, what set? Do your wake-up time? Yeah, oh, okay. my wake-up time. Okay. Um, it started with 5.30. It got a little bit earlier. It got a little bit early. Then it got ridiculously early. Um, and I found that that was too early. It didn't work for me. It worked for me. It didn't work for anybody else. My, my, <laughs> right. my wife and uh, son, it didn't work for yeah. too well. Um, but it's the early wake-up time um, and a morning reflection period, whatever that looks like to anybody else. For me, um, it's either a meditation, um, a quote, book, um, some really positive stuff. Some At the very beginning, I would just go out in my back deck and just listen to some music and stare at the moon, you know, and just kind of browse Facebook but get my you know because I don't know about you guys I most of the time I wake up and I'm not happy especially when it's early sure nobody likes waking up right right it's fuck (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's it's amazing now because if I wake up late it's really a fuck right fuck I missed my wake up time I missed all the things and now I'm rushing around you know, but when you move it to a, an early time, it's still like, fuck, it's early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's also your first win of yeah. the day. I said I was going to wake up at 3.15 a.m. every day, and I did it. 
for until I changed it. Um, but then, like I said, it's morning reflection, meditation, some sort of positive mental juices flowing. You know, you're not going and, and looking at Fox News or MSNBC where, you know, it's like, here's all the bad shit that's going on in the, in the world. You're definitely not doing that kind of shit, right? <clears throat> um, and then it's immediate action. Get that blood flowing. Get that heart racing. Because that can literally turn your whole day around. Mm -hmm. And it does. Mm -hmm. I do that. And it's, I wake up negative. I do my little process. And then I hit that floor or hit the weights. And half an hour later, I'm ready to tackle the world and, and give whatever I've got. Nice. Um, and then it's food. You know, the better I eat, the better I look, the better I feel, the more energy I have, the more I can do for everybody else. Because if I start thinking about me, and me, 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 that leads to vodka. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's important that you make that distinction too, that like you do all this for you so that you can be a better person for those around you. Yeah. Um, and that's why self-love is so critical like it's important that we take like when we take care of us everybody around us wins and and so it's important sometimes to remember that when we're doing things that can sometimes feel selfish like waking up at 3 15 you know the wife doesn't like that right yeah. but i mean but like in the end like you know it, it benefits everybody when we're yeah. able to do that yeah and one of the things that i want to point out when you know, as we sit here and we're talking, David, David mentioned food, you know, some of the things that I had to consider when it came to food wasn't just things that I believed were healthy, right? Um, uh, I, I, I really needed to understand my relationship with food. You know, we had a, you know, last week we had a great uh, conversation with Amy about our, our relationship with alcohol. And one of the things I think that I want our listeners to think about if they're going on a, any type of food journey is, you know, what is your relationship with it now and how does that affect your body? Because some of the stuff that I never thought about until I thought about were allergies. Like what, what kind of foods am I allergic to that I'm having reactions to that I'm eating that I don't know I'm having an allergic reaction to? You know, what kind of foods am I eating Alcohol. that are, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and when you say allergic reaction, like my mind thinks about the reaction that I get from alcohol and like I can have that sort of allergic reaction, if you will, well, with certain sort of food. It creates an obsession. Yeah, exactly. It creates an obsession, which leads to a compulsion, exactly. which leads to overconsumption, which leads to what we end up having massive guilt and shame over. Um, and so now we're hiding and eating. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one allergy. But the other allergy that I'd like you to think about our physical, um, like, like poisonous allergies, you know, the foods that cause inflammation in your body, the foods that cause, uh, erratic heart rates, uh, the food that causes your insulin to spike, you know, those, those type of things, or, or may cause a skin condition, you know, you might end up getting rashes and stuff and it's from something that you're eating and you don't even know. Um, all those things, the more that we study them, and the more that we understand why we're trying to get behind a healthier lifestyle, um, the, the better we are at succeeding at it, right? The better we are at eliminating the things that harm us, create an obsession, and take us down that path of darkness 
into self-hatred, which is everything that I fucking do that I end up regretting mm-hmm. is a fucking pathway to self-hatred. Right. You know, right. I, I, you said it, you said it great, man. I have a fucking disease that wants me dead, but it'll settle for me being drunk, miserable, high or fat. Right. right? It'll right. fucking yep. settle for that. It's insanity. It's insanity, Cameron. Well, and I think that it's <laughs> one of the things that I heard in, um, in, I mean, I guess you would call it in AA because I heard it from somebody in AA who was talking to another alcoholic um, is, and I know that this isn't a part of everybody's program, but it's a part of, um, it's, it's important to mention that one of the things I know, I've heard this sponsor who basically tells his sponsee when they call, you know, Hey man, I got this problem. Okay. Go for a run and then call me back. Yep. <laughs> like, why do you think that they, yeah. they, they would suggest that, you know? Because it works. Yeah, well, because it works. Because, like, what happens physically, like, when we go for a run, when we get our heart rate up, when we, when we have those endorphins firing off, you know, like, we're able to sort of look at things with a little bit more clarity. And mm-hmm. so there absolutely is this mind-body connection that, that can be affected by our food. It can be affected by the way that we move our body. And like oftentimes, like if we're not taking care of ourselves in one way, we're not taking care of ourselves in another way. So it's important to look at all these things, our relationship with food, um, our relationships with others, like what, what is happening and like, what are these things? Are they contributing to our self-love in a healthy way? Or are they leading us down this path of self-hatred? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I think that it's been really, really fun to talk about. I, yeah, man. I mean, we could go on with this for way, way longer, I think, you know, because we all kind of want to share our successes, I think, you know. We all want to share the things that have worked for us. So, yeah, I mean, there's not nearly enough time to, to get into all that. That's a, that's a 10-year conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I do want to point out that I think it's interesting that, you know, like it doesn't seem to matter, like, if you're, whether you're in this fit, fitness program that, um, you know, is, is more of a mindset thing or, um, whether you're in Alcoholics Anonymous or whether you're, you know, you subscribe to somebody like Tom Bill, you or, um, anybody like that, you know, it's like the way that we start our day seems to be so, so critical. Um, and in your, in your, um, example that you just gave like it really is our first win for the day when we're able to um to wake up the time that we're supposed to and i do want to point out too that you know our morning starts the night before and so you know we have to be mindful about that um when we're going to bed this is coming from a guy who sleeps till 8 30 um but I'm sitting next to a couple of people that know what the fuck. Right, I'm but you about. stay you, you stay up, and a lot of times you you're working till one, two in the morning. Like, right. Let's be, let, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> um. Anyways, guys, this has been a lot of fun, yeah. David. It's been great to have you here, and and, and I just want to have uh, I want I want everybody to to take a listen to your story. Qualify now. this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like just in case people don't know what the fuck um, David's been up to. Yeah, I might have been through a thing or two. Or his story. Um, we're going we're gonna to let him listen to it now. So without further ado, here is David's story. 
This week's War Story is brought to you by Brainwash Coffee. Brainwash Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwash Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at the other side of hell. With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Ain't Your Amigo, Brainwash Coffee has your back no matter what you're poisoning. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at brainwashcoffeeco.com. Clean your bean with Brainwash. And without further ado, here is this week's War Story. My name is Dave, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my advice of choice <clears throat> for the most part, yeah, most part was vodka. Um, that's what ultimately led to my real downfall repeatedly. Uh, but to begin, I guess, you know, I had a normal childhood, at least, you know, by most standards. Um, I didn't think I did at the time just because I was a Navy brat and um, moved around a little bit. Uh, my biological father left or was booted out of the house at an age I don't remember. Um, I remember meeting him one time when I was six and he was an asshole. And I, I think I held those resentments for a long time. Um, and, you know, thinking back on it, you know, as a child now, I realized just how attention starved I probably was, um, always trying to fit in, um, you know, being the class clown or, you know, doing some dumb shit, um, constantly getting, uh, <laughs> constantly injuring myself. But, um, apparently my babysitter gave me a cigarette when I was six so I guess that's the start <laughs> won't count that I um, my first experiment with weed was when I was 10 or 11 I don't think I got high but I was 10 or 11 when I took a puff off a joint from the older kids because <clears throat> I was in California by this time um, and then you know, I had good parents, you know, they weren't, you know, what I needed at the time, but they were good parents, you know, they provided and, you know, I never felt like I was ever going to go hungry or abused or anything like that. But I definitely had some, uh, some daddy issues, I guess. Um, but I had to grow up real quick. Um, my sister was eight years younger than me. My dad, my brother was 10 years younger than me. And in 1991, my mom was in the Naval Reserve. She got called up for the Kuwait War. Um, she wound up doing like a, a year and nine months at Whidbey Island to fill in the pe for the people that actually went to war. So now it's uh, my dad, who's my stepdad, but he's my dad. So now it's just me and my dad, my three-year-old four-year-old sister and my one-year-old brother, two-year-old brother, you know, so I got to, you know, I got to get them ready before school. I got to come home for after school, um, babysit and, you know, on top of all my stuff. Right. So, and around that age is when I'm starting to, you know, mature. So now, not only am I getting my normal allowance of 25 bucks a week, I'm getting 25 bucks on top of that 
because, you know, I was performing extra duties, right? So every Friday, Saturday night, I'd go hang out with the guys and I still wasn't getting high or drinking yet. I was just enjoying having a, a little bit of money and, you know, being able to hang out with the cool kids, right? Um, I remember my first drink was probably in the seventh grade, but, you know, that was just like a one-time test on the way to school um, kind of thing. And oddly enough, my real introduction to drugs was um, because of steroids. I was on the football team. Uh, a lot of the dudes around me were a lot bigger than me, and I wanted to get some steroids because I knew one of the non-football player guys that could get them. And, you know, it was 300 bucks or something for a cycle back then. It's not like I could just go, Mom, Dad, you know, can I get 300 bucks? So I started selling weed. One thing led to another. Now I like the money. I like the partying. Every time I sold, a, you know, a dub sack, I'd buy some Swisher Sweets and a 40-ouncer, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, this was early 90s California, and it wasn't long before the, you know, the less hard stuff became real hard. Um, I remember my first time I smoked meth, and it was just like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Um, after that, it was like, it was off to the races. Last time I did meth, I was actually in jail, right? So I move out to the East Coast and I'm like, cool, kick meth. Let's get a job at Home Depot, start thinking about a career and, you know, advancing life. <clears throat> Great. That was, you know, last time I did meth, I got myself, you know, in a position to be successful. Um, but with, again, a new place, I'm trying to fit in. I'm partying every other way, right? Because I'm still young. I mean, I just turned, uh, you know, I was 18 and a half. So I'm out here at 19, 18 and a half, 19, and looking for new friends, right? Um, threw a six-day party, became instant hit. <laughs> Went to jail a couple of times for, for drunk public over that. But uh, it wasn't long before I got my first DUI at 20. They call it a... Uh, driving after illegally consuming alcohol because I wasn't even able to drink then, right? Uh, place with my ex-wife shortly after that. Um, and shortly after that, got my first real DUI when I was 21. Um, got some driving on suspendeds in there. I just couldn't stay out of the system, you know? Um, but at this point, you know, I'm, I'm still not, you know, a real, a real alcoholic. I don't know. I don't know how long it was before I got my next one. Um, but in between there, I, I think I went about eight years without getting busted, at least, because, you know, I was doing the married thing and really not drinking and partying, right? Um, and we would, you know, my wife and I would have a glass of wine here and there, but just, Nothing like the young days and nothing like my upcoming days, right? Um, around 27, I got divorced from my wife and, you know, I missed my entire 20s of partying. So I had to, to make up for it, right? You know, maybe a year after 
two years after my divorce where got another DUI. Um, so yeah, it, it continued on like that every couple of years. Um, I'd get another DUI, you know, I've basically everything just kept repeating itself and getting worse and worse. Um, until I just stopped driving, right? I can't get any DUIs if I don't drive. Um, cause that'll fix it. Right. <clears throat> well, we know how that works. Um, didn't have a car for a while, so that was fine, but I went a good while without another DUI just cause I just, I would Uber came out and, you know, help continue me not being in trouble so i didn't have a problem right um even though the entire time i'm cheating on girls i'm still might get a drunk in public i still am just a complete douchebag and you know i couldn't figure out why for the longest time but um so continued on like that finally got myself out of trouble with Johnny Law and you know all the other times where I was under compulsion to go to AA or get treatment or my mom or my dad or my girlfriend whatever saying hey you need help I was no because my my idea of an alcoholic was still not there because at a 19 20 years old my idea of an alcoholic was and I don't know if you've ever seen leaving Las Vegas but that was my idea of an alcoholic I'm not that bad. I am progressing. You know, I bought my first house at 24. You know, I was out of my parents' house at 19, bought my first house at 24. I'm successfully moving up the ladder in the IT world, doing the, uh, you know, the Washington DC Beltway bandit contractor thing. So life is good, you know, making good money. Every once in a while, I got to spend some of that to get myself out of trouble. Didn't have a problem though, right? wasn't unmanageable. I managed just fine. Look at me. I got a house. I got a girlfriend. I got a dog. I got responsibilities and shit, (laughs) you know, um, until as it does catches up again. Um, but no, I, in 2017, I decided I'm turning 40. My, my gift to me is going to go to rehab. So I went to this fancy schmancy rehab where I brought my dog. I got served steak and eggs every morning if I wanted it. I got a massage every day or was laying by the pool along with a bunch of group therapy and really good stuff. Really good stuff. It's just when it's more like a destination vacation, you know what I mean? And not a rehab. It's more like a retreat without the alcohol, right? Just it did its job. Don't get me wrong; it did its job. It got me away from the substance, and I'll be forever grateful for that. But it didn't give me anything except for a shot in the leg of Vivitrol for long-term care. Um, but it, I I stayed sober about seven or eight months. Met my ex-wife, or met my ex-wife, met my new wife, and really wanted to have and had a reason now to change because going into rehab. I wasn't actively trying to kill myself by drinking. I just knew that I didn't give a fuck because I, who cares, right? Saturday morning, eight o'clock, bottle of vodka. 
I don't got nobody to answer to. Nothing to do. Who cares? Right? But after that clearing of the head and finding my wife and, you know, her getting pregnant, everything started to change. But right after she got pregnant, I started drinking again. I mean, I ran to the 7-Eleven probably five times, you know, in the 36 hours waiting at the hospital is right across the street. Um, <clears throat> so COVID hits. I know I'm full on got a problem. Wife is pissed. You know, <laughs> because I keep doing what I do. I go out, I drink, and I talk to people, and then I leave her at home. Or, you know, or she can't find me, or I'm not picking up, and I'm a mess. What am I, jail? You know, worry, worrying her. And then, so, so I, I'm like, all right, babe, I'm, I'm going to real quit this time. I'm going to take antabuse. All right. And I did. And the shady doctor I got it from, the shady pharmacist I got it from, I'm pretty sure is a placebo because I figured out that I could drink on it after about two and a half months of being sober. And that was first turning point. The first real turning point after, uh, you know, just taking the, the pills to, you know, I can't drink. I'm taking these pills, babe. You know, I'm still not wanting to stop drinking myself. Um, and that's when I started the uh, Watson Fit program. Um, I had a four-day bender. I didn't do anything particularly wrong, get in trouble, but wife wasn't happy. And another, I'm going to change. And that actually really did start some change. And I, I was, you know, 205-pound drunk at that point. Um, saw some pictures of me that were not very flattering. And I'm like... At the same time, getting argued or bitched at by the wife. Boom. So <clears throat> I had one relapse within the next four months, but I dropped 45 pounds, completely changed my lifestyle around, um, really had motivation to, you know, find my purpose and do what I needed to do. Right. Uh, and then we bought this new house. And almost at the same time, it was my transformation. <clears throat> and my mentor posted me, had my head all blown up. And I didn't realize at the time that was that was a test. Because I remember December buying my Escalade, sitting out front smoking a cigarette, going, this is it. This is everything I've ever fucking wanted in life. I've got it all right now. I've got a wife, a son, a real house, an investment property, a sizable 401k, a six-figure job. Uh, you know, she's got the little, you know, get around bends. I got my big boy Escalade that I always wanted, right? I mean... If I asked for anything else, I'd be a greedy bastard, right? Um, <laughs> uh, sure, I could use a jet ski, maybe a boat down the line, but I'm good. I could literally just sat on cruise control for the rest of my life. <clears throat> and that was the test, and I failed miserably. I w wound up in a three-month relapse or a three-week relapse. That got me arrested four different times. It got me a felony malicious wounding charge, albeit wrong 
um, against my my tenant. Um, that's a quite a story in itself, but we can save that one for later. Um, so that ended me up in detox rehab and IOP, and my company was behind me. They said, you know, go go to FMLA. I had actually tried to go to rehab or detox the day before one of the arrests, the malicious wounding, and. So they were like, yeah, don't worry, you're covered, FMLA. And then I go to jail and then detox and rehab. And it was like, ooh, they didn't know anything, right? Cool, FMLA. Uh, (laughs) um, And I get out and I'm ready to rock, you know. I'm feeling great again. Even though it was just that, you know, couple week relapse and, you know, let's go. It's easy to stay sober and rehab. Um, Day I get out. Uh, get home. I mean, company calls. It's HR. We need to see a copy of the police report before you can come back. You know, I was gung ho, ready to go, and now it's instant anxiety. Oh fuck, they're gonna fire me, right? How am I gonna? I already used all my time off, right? How am I gonna get paid? And then real life starts happening. You name it. Dishwasher broke garage door opener, uh, printer, disposal was leaking, trying to fix the parts myself, trying to be of some use and nothing's working. Go to get the, finally get a part from Home Depot and my Escalade breaks down while it's sleeting, rolling into Home Depot. Like, fuck. Um, That wound up being not as big a deal as I thought it was, but still pain in the ass. The next day, the wife's like, I got to take uh." Angela was like, got to take Tyler to the pediatrician. She had just got done bitching up to me about finding somebody to fix something. And so I'm in dad mode or Mr. Fix-It mode instead of being dad, right? You know, just go real quick. I'm just going to feel productive. I feel like a loser piece of shit that can't get anything fixed right now, right? And it wasn't two minutes before she was or after she was gone and... I'm off to the store, and I remember thinking on the way, consequences only get worse, you know. Oh, okay, I'm glad you're okay. Uh, You know, like somebody we know has said many times, consequences only get progressively worse, right? And I remember even thinking that on the way, but also thinking, "Ah, never going to happen, right? Never going to get, nobody's ever going to know in this one. So apparently I drank a lot and then came home, talked to my therapist on Zoom, and then had a three-hour IOP on Zoom hammered. Don't really remember most of it. They knew. Um, Get done with that. Go back out to the store because now I haven't drank in four hours and I'm itching, right? You know, that brain, once you uh, have one, you can't really turn it off. I make up some excuse to go to Walmart, pound three Johnny bootleggers, and on the way home, literally 10 seconds behind my house, I could have walked home, uh, got popped again, third DUI. This time it's a felony. I've got nine overall, um, four, five convictions, four firsts and uh, four firsts and a third, four, two not guilties and two no process. So 
I'd been going to A for those 12 days <laughs> that I'd been out and I had really started to, to, to like AA. Um, I felt I was doing the deal and I, I even felt I was doing the deal before this massive, that massive relapse. And, but I just wasn't connected. And when I was in jail this time, um, I asked Chappie for a Bible and I actually found it and hung it up <clears throat> right back there. Um, signed my name. And I, I feel like I earnestly sought and I had some prayers if there was a God, because I was a self-proclaimed atheist before then. And I said, look, this is what I need from you to, to prove. I said, if you think it's better for the world and my family that I stay in here, don't give me bail. If you do, let me out so I can take care of this stuff before I, you know, got to face what's really coming. And uh, I got bailed and I continued on AA. I continued um, IOP as long as I had insurance, which wasn't very long because I did get fired like I thought I would a day, two days after I got out. Uh, this time so I had to start working for myself and, and working for my family and to survive and a lot of good people in sobriety took me uh, around to meetings as I needed and uh, really just you know kept my spirits alive because I knew what I was facing and I was doing it sober and I wanted to do it sober I knew I was going to do some time and I, you know, I promised my higher power that I, I would believe in him every day since that day. And I did. And everything so far has, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not always been easy, but it's been well worth it. Um, Cause there was definitely some times where, you know, I'm sitting in that cell, <clears throat> especially the first couple of weeks you're in quarantine and you got nothing. And I was able to be grateful for the the view that I had being on the fifth floor and just all the promises just coming true, the way everything worked out between the timing of going to jail, the timing of wife and child going to be out of the country for half the time that I'm in jail. Um, just it all working out. And that's strictly because of the program and maintaining my sobriety, right? Because I'm the kind of person that like, I get what I want. I've always gotten whatever I want. I've just always wanted the, the wrong things, you know, like I don't miss my targets. I just don't have the best aim all the time. Right. Um, but it, it you know, you would have told me 20 years ago, and I'm sure many people that did, I just didn't really have like anybody to go through with me and explain exactly how it meant, um, how it was supposed to be in AA, you know, it's because of the compulsion that I had from before. This time it was just, just like uh, my higher powers earnestly sought, right? I was going to meetings because I wanted to go there. I wanted to talk. I wanted to see if anybody could relate to my story, which 
you know, there's definitely a couple of times where I'm like, I don't want to go to this fucking meeting. <laughs> and I wind up going and, you know, there's a 24 year old who's shitting his pants because he's got his third DUI, you know, and he ain't like me. Uh, I, I might, I, I come from a little bit of a harder neighborhood than this kid, you know what I mean? And he was shitting his pants. So I'm like, I didn't want to come. Well, look at this miracle right here. I came for a reason. It was at the very end of a meeting. Um, but no, it's truly a blessing, everybody that I've met, um, that I can share some of my dirty, dirty laundry with. I'm a pretty transparent guy, but there's still only a couple of people that know the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I just celebrated a year a week ago, two weeks ago, and that's the longest I've ever been. So it, it may not always be fun, but it it will work. Awesome. Well, congratulations, David, yeah. on one Thank year. It's amazing. One year. Yeah. David, well, David well, 13 James. months now. 13 yeah, months. It's the longest yeah. I've ever gone. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing, man. It feels pretty good to get that chip. Yeah. And how's it feel? Uh, I couldn't be... I couldn't feel better. Life couldn't be better. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking before the show, and one thing that I heard you say, which I, I really appreciated, was uh, was uh, promises. Yeah. Sounds like the promises are, are coming true. Yeah, and it was immediate. It was once I turned my will over, it was immediate. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. It's... Amazing. You'll hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I love it. Well, and, and to anybody that doesn't know, we're talking about the AA promises that basically, you know, say, hey, if you uh, quit drinking, life will get better. Um, <laughs> and the, these are, you know, it's, summary. It's, you know, look it up. Like, look yeah. it up. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, because it's a pretty great, pretty great thing. Pretty great, man. Yeah. There was there was a lot in your story that I actually really related to. One of the biggest things that we talked about a little bit before the show was, um, uh, you know, like you, like I was single for so long and, um, and I lived, you know, like by myself, I had my own house and, and so it was so easy for me to justify, like, who gives a fuck? Like nobody, I'm not doing it. I'm not hurting anybody. Like, just me. yeah, it's just me, you know, like these are the, these are sort of the traps that we get into when we're, when we're out there running and gunning, but I really, really identified with, with that part of your story. Yeah. Uh, not me, but the, the <laughs> fucking drinking. I can't fight with that. Like, I'm a relationship guy, man. If I wasn't in my marriage now, I'd be with somebody. Well, I, I was for I a can't, long time. Uh, can't imagine not being. So. I always wanted to be. Yeah. Well, and let's tell me about this Fufu Rehab. Was it that Malibu Passages? No, it was uh, Seaside Palm Beach, mm. the opposite coast, but basically the same thing. It sounds real nice. <laughs> I might relapse just so I can go. <laughs> well, if you got 80 grand for the month, go right yeah. ahead. <laughs> Maybe I'll just stay sober. Yeah, it's a little cheaper. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's, you know, here's the thing is like, it is what it is. It sounds like it was still an introduction to a new way of life for you, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It did its job. Mm -hmm. um, Cause at that time I decided, all right, I'm about to be 40. I've done enough drinking for you, 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 right. you, you, and you, mm -hmm. you know, um, what else is there that I need to do with 
that involves alcohol, nothing. And what has it done positively for me? Nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, I got you met your wife. Not because of the alcohol. Oh, I thought I thought for some reason I thought you guys were drinking together. No, met his no. wife in Greece. He went to Greece on vacation. Oh, that's and, cool. And that's where. Yeah. He, but I, I, you know, anyway, it's another story. Yeah, he was drunk when he met her, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe she would have liked you. <laughs> I just, I thought she probably thought, oh well, you know, the guy's on vacation, so you know, it's normal. Yeah, didn't yeah. expect to come back to. My kind of normal. Wait, he drinks like that <laughs> every day. Well, yeah. I, I thought it was weird. It was a Tuesday, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but how great is that now that you're able to, and 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 I like that about your story too. Is just you touch on that a little bit, you know, about your relationship with her as you went through this process and and really deciding that you wanted to be, you know, a guy that she could count on you know like and your son too like all of a sudden the the game has changed like it's not just yeah. about me anymore and and you know and it comes back to what we've been talking about which is like this is all the more reason for me to to do all these things is 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 i've got to show up and be the kind of man that that these people deserve yeah. well not that i always thought i was you know i being a navy brat i was grown up certain things are certain things certain way you do what you say you're going to do you get it done um loyalty um integrity and i wasn't living that thought and that ideal of myself for so long mm -hmm. um it's really pretty awesome that i'm able to do that now and i wouldn't be able to do it without you know being sober mm. straight up yeah yeah, no doubt, man. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you were able to uh, to to get to where the pain was just enough that you were willing to 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 do what was necessary. And I think that that's sort of what it takes. You know, one of the the one of the things that I heard early on um, from from people who had been through it um, that they would wish upon others like hey man i hope it gets as bad for you as it needs to get really fucking fast yeah. and i always thought that that was so weird to wish that on somebody but i think that you know now i'm able to see like that's absolutely what has to happen right yeah. it has to get just bad enough that we become willing and humble enough like you said right like and and i know in my own case that's definitely where I was at, like I had to have just the right amount of humility to entertain the idea that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing yeah. and, and be willing to take suggestions. Yeah. And so that's cool, man. Yeah. And, and now you're, you know, you got a year sober, you got your family, you know, you're doing your own entrepreneurial stuff, you know, making money on your terms. You're, still connected within the, you know, fitness group, you're helping people get, you know, sober and, and, and fit, you know, in the time that you've been down here in Utah, you've, you've shared a couple of messages that you've gotten with me, you know, and some, some things that have happened with people that have been reaching out to you for sobriety help, people that are reaching out to you for fitness help. And, you know, I think it's great, man. I think it's great because, uh, the more, the more of us that are out there being the example of, 
this stuff really working, I think I think the better chances people have of finding the right example they need in order to hear the message that'll change their lives and their family lives. And so, yeah, you're doing great, man. So I'm proud of you. Yeah, for sure. Nah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I had, I don't know if you remember, but um, like when we first started talking in the group and <clears throat> you had been struggling, uh, you would kick ass the whole day and then come eight, nine, ten o'clock, it's like snack, snack, oh, snack, yeah. snack, snack, snack. And I shared what had worked for me previously, even though I was on my new journey, I, I had figured out a couple of things to, to prevent that kind of thing. And I remember telling you that and we that just that little interaction right there started everything right yeah so Help, helping each other helping each other that's what it's about turns out we're both fucked up yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i want to be part of the fucked up you are cameron okay, okay. thanks guys. you are fucked up too yeah david man i can't thank you enough for sharing your story and for being here like is there anything that you want to you want to tell people about what it is you're doing now like how to reach you how to contact you I know that you've got you've got a couple irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, starting to do a little online coaching. At, um, you can follow me at, at David James Fit on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to get. Uh, I've got the framework built a little bit. I've got the website, um, but uh, let's mix uh, a little bit of Alcoholics Anonymous with a little bit of fitness that I came up with. Uh, actually, another guy in our group, um, Martin kind of uh, uh, he was on the show yeah he um he mentioned it um in our burpee sessions in our early morning and he's like because what we would do is we would do our burpees and then we would just kind of you know go through the you know hey how you doing good to see you good to be here show some gratitude a positivity thing and it, it, he was like oh oh burpees anonymous and i was like hey that's not a bad idea mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm a nerd and i'm an it guy and i just literally I didn't do anything with it for a year. I was like, okay, let me go buy that. Nice. Yeah. So I got that going on. I'm trying to um, get an, uh, get my IT consulting off the ground. Um, you know, whatever it takes. And I got a YouTube too. Um, right now it's just me doing a Sally Up push-up challenge, but um, uh, it's called Whatever It Takes. Um, cool. Nice. I'll be sharing my, because I, I think I got a lot of experience and, and I know how to do a lot of things, so... Why not put it out there if I... Yeah, fix, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Might be the voice someone needs. Maybe. Yeah. Well, this was definitely what I needed today, and so I really appreciate the opportunity to, to sit next to you and to talk to you about it. Willie, you're all right, too? Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming out from uh, all the way out from Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's super awesome of you. Yeah. Well, let's get out of here, man. Yeah. What do you think? Should we wrap it out? Yeah. We'll see Utah. Let's yeah. Go. Do it. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you, my friend. Good to see you. Down. Rylan, good to, good see to have you. you. I, haven't, I haven't seen you forever. You look good great. To have your hair. I like your mustache and facial hair. It's very, you going. very three musketeer. Yeah, you look good. I remember having that when I was 16. Oh, snap. <laughs> hear that? It's all right. David James, you're, once you get 50, it's all like Yeah. Hey, anyway. 45. <laughs> 45. <laughs> all right, David, tell the people goodbye. Goodbye, guys. All right. Love you. Remember, you are worth the work. We'll see you on worth the it. other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. 
For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.